0: Welcome to the WNCT Podcast Network.
1: Welcome back to The Nine on Your Side Sports Talk podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Layton. I'm here with the ECU Women's Golf Head Coach, Cece Buford. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Thank you for joining me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to, to be on today and excited to explore all things women's golf.
1: So you've been here for four years, correct? Mm-hmm. So your first two seasons, there was you know, the
0: COVID pandemic and
1: a lot of things were different. But since then, your most recent two seasons, you've led the program to a lot of success. How do you feel like you've been able to do that after facing all that hardship in the beginning?
0: Uh, gosh, yeah, it seemed like you know, when you take a new job, sometimes you learn like trial by fire and that certainly was um, that first season. You know, like, We had some really strong leadership um, mm-hmm. with our seniors and I think that helped have stability for me. Um, You know, coming into a program that had had so much success, they were really um, open about sharing, like, this is what ECU golf is. Like, this is what's important to us. Like, sharing with me about what undaunted means and, like, how it's not just this team, but how it's a part of, like, who ECU is. And so they really helped me establish how can I keep ECU golf ECU golf while maybe putting my philosophy and my thumbprint on it. And so certainly those first couple years, going through all the challenges we did, um, getting their feedback, really leaning on them, helped me, I guess, maybe have the confidence that once those senior leaders kind of phased out to um, continue that uh, success or continue that tradition that we had always had. So um, yeah, certainly unconventional those first two years. like We didn't really have a full season until this past year. but learned a lot and um, you know it's fun when you stay in this area like we host a couple tournaments here in Greenville and to see the support of um, our local golf fanatics like come out and cheer on our girls like you just don't see that everywhere and so I think knowing that ECU golf is so important to Greenville and to East Carolina really helped us pursue that excellence piece and pursue like putting a product on the golf course that ECU and Pirate Nation can be proud of.
1: Yeah, and when you say Pirate Nation and the word undaunted and no quarter and everything, and we have this right behind us. I mean, ECU is all about ECU. And you talk, we just got done talking about how recruiting a lot for your sport is internationally. I mean, because sometimes I'll see last names on the roster and I'm like, I don't know how to say that. I have no idea, but it's really interesting to go through y'all's roster and see where everybody is from. So obviously we have such a huge culture over here
0: like you had just talked about. How do you think they adapt to that coming from so far away? I think that our local kids play a big part of that. Um, when I came, we had three in-state players that really um, like took on those international players, not just as teammates, but like, as family. I mean, they go home with them for Thanksgiving break because they can't make the trip back to Europe or make the trip. Um, you know back to their home countries and so um, we really adopt this attitude of a family like you're not just joining ECU you're joining a family Mm -hmm. and so for them I think when they see that and when it takes that time to build that trust like once that trust is there they're fully committed to like giving their best and understanding the process and really trusting that and so um, I think Uh, how passionate ECU athletics is across the board. I mean like going to their first football game for an international student. They have no idea. (laughs) what third down <laughs> means. They have no idea how many points a touchdown is. Oh my But gosh. just to see like people doing this, like that means something to them. And we actually do that on the golf course too. Like when we make a birdie, you like symbol this back to your teammate. And it's just this very powerful energy boost that when you see your teammate do something good, you're like, let's go, yeah. I wanna do something good too. So I think feeding a lot on the traditions of ECU in general helps them like incorporate that into our golf team and our golf culture.
1: Yeah. For those who don't know, I used to be an intern at ECU right before I graduated. And I remember coming out to a lot of y'all's tournaments. This is back when I I did a lot of stuff, social media and I tried to learn photography and it wasn't for me. But I remember taking pictures of y'all after they would uh, shoot and it would be the no quarter. I have plenty of pictures like that and I always thought that was really cool. But you had mentioned a birdie and that was actually one of the big questions i wanted to ask you because those golf terms i have no idea what they mean can you explain them
0: uh sure i will do my best so (laughs) a good place to start is par so par would be essentially like what you're supposed to shoot on the hole Mm -hmm. so some holes are a bit shorter that would be our par three so like in theory a golfer that is scratch would hit three shots to get the ball from the tee shot into the hole. Um, birdie, which we just talked about, would be one better than that. So um, if we're on a slightly longer hole, it's a par four, and they hit their tee shot, hit it on the green, and then make that putt. That's a score of three on a par four, so that's a good thing. That's okay. a birdie um bogey would be the opposite so (laughs) bogey would be maybe like you hit your tee shot into trouble you have to punch out and then you get on the green and then two putt um so bogeys happen a lot like it's very difficult to have a bogey free round which would kind of translate to like a mistake free round um those are really rare so what we try to share with our team is like bogeys are gonna happen like for a pitcher they're gonna throw or like they're gonna pitch against. A home run every now and then like nobody's a perfect pitcher so in the same way like to not overreact when we make bogeys like bogeys happen we miss free throws in basketball we strike out in you know the bat sports so um kind of just allow those to happen don't dwell on it because you don't want one bogey to like turn into multiple bogeys right um but our team's pretty good at at kind of like shaking it off moving on to the next hole um A couple other terms like an eagle is really really good. So if birdie is one better than par, eagle is two better than par. So that's much more rare. Like you don't see that quite as frequently, but really exciting when it happens. Um, On the flip side, like double bogey or worse is when you get into like a lot of trouble and you're shooting worse than bogey. Like those are the those are the numbers that like kind of kill around. They like don't if, want that. They <laughs> don't want that like that. Just it like stalls momentum cuz then you they like then you've really dug a hole. Like one bogey, you make one birdie and you're back at even. If you make a double bogey or worse, then you've really dug a hole like okay, now I have to climb out of that. And then sometimes that can shift someone's mentality of like they were just trying to play steady. Now you feel like you have to play like eager to make birdies. And sometimes that can kind of rattle a player's mentality. Yeah,
1: is there a reason they have such like interesting names? Do
0: you know that? <laughs> I think that's so interesting. Well, they're all kind of like um, bird analogies, like birdie, eagle. Um, I guess bogey, maybe not, but um, bogey is technically like a plane in the sky. So maybe uh, I don't know really the history that's of where so those terms come from. Maybe that's something we can look into yeah. for, for the viewers if they're, if they're inquiry. I can, I can look into it. But yeah, that's kind of, and it's the same in all languages. So, like, I'll hear our German player talking with her phone, talking in the phone to her mom, and she'll, and she'll be like, birdie, birdie. German, 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 bogey. And it just makes me <laughs> kind of laugh that, like, those terms are the same across the whole world, no matter if you speak English or not. Like, everybody in golf uses those same words birdie, bogey, eagle, which is kind of funny. Yeah. R. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I didn't know any of that. I kind of knew, I kind of knew what they meant. I knew par somewhat, but the rest of it, I was like, I'm lost. I don't know. (laughs) Um, but you guys recruit, we had mentioned at the beginning, a lot of international players. Is there a reason why a lot of them come from over there or why that, is that a main sport in like internationally, like overseas and everything? Is there a reason for that?
0: Um, I would say there's like, of a culture difference in sports in America versus in Europe or overseas like in America we are obsessed with team sports yeah like basketball football soccer volleyball like those are the sports that a lot of kids see on TV so they're really eager to get involved with them early now of course you have some um, athletes that do like gymnastics or that do pursue tennis like some of those individual sports but really from an international standpoint like the only team sport that is nationwide or worldwide is soccer like Mm -hmm. they don't they don't have the sort of um, development of those other team sports so in those european cultures like recreation is more important than maybe like team sports or sort of that like organized team foundations and so a lot of european families like golf is a family. It's Mm -hmm. very rare in the United States to see that because like they might go to a sporting event together but in Europe it's more like let's go to the golf course together. So I think you just see it more as like a cultural recreation and so just naturally maybe there's more development in those worldwide countries of um, you know level of talent because there's more more kids doing it. Like it's not the most sought after sport for a young a young person to get into yet in the United States. I think it's growing. Like you're seeing a lot more youth involvement with like top golf starting yeah. up and like Netflix's new documentary Full Swing. You're seeing it sort of like pushing towards the younger age population. So I think we're going to see a bit more of a boom and growth in the United States, but Um, you know you ask why do they come over here the university system is just different in Europe like they don't have the NCAA that has um, like organized sports connected to a university like you go Uh to a university to study not play sports sports. I never thought about that yeah so for them if playing a sport is something they're passionate about and getting their education is something they're passionate about they don't really have that option in Europe like once you finish your year 12 school you pretty much have to pick Mm -hmm. am I going to go get higher education degree or am i going to pursue this sport and so a lot of them aren't necessarily ready to make that jump one way or the other and they kind of evaluate college athletics as the happy medium like i can go get my degree in america and continue playing this sport that i love Um, so yeah it's really just not an option for a lot of countries they just don't have those organized um, leagues in the same way that we do so um, like you see that in golf predominantly but other other sports too, like tennis, is a lot is heavy international. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're starting to see soccer that trend too, just because of it being a worldwide sport. Um, you know, some players are thinking maybe college is the right step for me to jump into um, the next league. When did you get into golf? I actually got into golf later than most. Like, I didn't really start playing until I was in high school. Like, I grew oh. up around team sports. Like, I played basketball growing up with my family. Got into volleyball quite early. Um, and my mom was actually a professional golfer. Like, she played on the LPGA Tour and in Europe and in Asia. She's got oh like, really cool pictures from all over the world. Yeah. Um, but I kind of just was like, oh, well, like, my brother plays basketball, so that's what I want to do. And then it wasn't until I got older that I was like, wow, this golf thing is really fun. And so um, my second year in high school, I really started to take it seriously and um, devote more time to it and um, so yeah i kind of came to the game a little later like i was a walk-on in college i was not a sought-after prospect but i knew that i wanted to be somewhere where even if i didn't necessarily get playing time right away that i was a part of something really special right and so like where i wanted to go was more important than where i could play and i mean am super lucky that my development grew to the point that I did make an impact on my team by the time I graduated but for me like it was more important for me that I go somewhere that even if I never played I was a part of something special I was a part of a team culture that I could buy into and um, really understand my role as opposed to maybe going somewhere that didn't have high aspirations where I was the best player like I didn't I didn't really want that experience I wanted to go somewhere that it was really special
1: I think a lot of athletes who are getting recruited to go play college sports. I know I went through this. You kind of have to think do I want to be a big fish in a small pond or do I want to be a small fish in a big pond? Mm -hmm. And I think I always knew I loved sports my whole life. I only played softball my entire life. I never, I I cheered, you know, quote unquote I cheered. (laughs) My mom wanted me to cheer and I just, you know, I was like six. Mm -hmm. So I never played another sport other than softball. So once I kind of started taking it serious, when I started playing travel ball when I was eight, and then you know you get to 12, 13, and you're like, I really got to think about, do I want to play in college? We're getting to the age where you got to get recruited. Right. you got to go to for softball, it's, you got to go to camps, you've got to showcase and stuff, and you got to start thinking, do I want to go play in tournaments and look at coaches who are, have huge programs and I just you know, kind of want to be a part of it? And then there's some athletes who say, you know, I want to go be a player, and I don't care what else is going on. And I think it, there's no right or wrong mm-hmm. way to do it. You just kind of have to get to that campus and you feel like this is where I want to be. And that's exactly how I felt when I got to ECU. You had your career at College of Charleston. When you do you do like recruits and everything, how did they get you onto their team? And what was that like?
0: Oh gosh, yeah. Um we had some like family friends in the area that knew some of the coaches of other sports at College of Charleston. And so, you know, I'm from Texas and um they we're like come look at College of Charleston and I just remember thinking all whole time like I'm not going that like I'm not going to Charleston <laughs> you know that's that's the hillbilly South Carolina I'm not going there and then obviously like my naivety had never been there and so I came on a visit I started talking with the coach a little bit um kind of it was more of formality of like to say that I wasn't going to go there I went and absolutely fell in love with the place when I was there i would like, never been um felt like more of a place of home than when I was there. So um, it definitely, like you were saying, it's like getting onto campus and really putting your toes in the water. Like, is this where I see myself? Um, is where the coach is kind of communicating to me my role and like my development? Is that what I want? And those answers came together in a yes for me when I was there. Um, but that is something super important that we, those conversations we have with our players that we're trying to recruit here. Like. It's like you said there is no right or wrong answer in that, you just have to be certain that wherever you go you understand that. Mm-hmm. Like if you go to a national championship contender and to the bench, you know, you have to understand that there's a process to get into that lineup that you can, don't just show up and you're the best player on your team right. anymore whereas if you go somewhere that you are the best player on the team you know then you step in knowing that, that that's your role and you come in with more of maybe a leadership role or whatnot but you know we we have those conversations with our recruits all the time because certainly someone can come in and surprise us if they're ready but um, you know we want them to kind of know that up front so that they don't have um, you know a draw a setback of this isn't what I had in mind or this wasn't my plan. Like we wanna make sure that we're recruiting kids that understand maybe their development and their path here. And sometimes that's coming in and making an impact right away. Sometimes it means, you know, we've got home tournaments that you can play as an individual and maybe that's not in the lineup for ECU, but you're getting experience. And um, like that's super helpful for our young players that maybe aren't quite ready to be in the lineup, but still get, Get those rounds in of competition.
1: I think a lot of kids who go on to play D1 sports, I mean, we're a mid major school, but when it comes to sports, I mean, we're pretty out there at East Carolina. I say we because I'm gonna, I gotta stop doing that, but I'm an alum, so I say we. But um, a lot of kids that end up playing here or any D1 sport at a school. They were the best when they were in their high school. They were, you know, one of the best players on the team, and they kind of expect to come here and be that way. And it's not that necessarily you're not the best or great at your sport, but it's that you have teammates that have been here for longer than you. You just kind of have to accept that. Now, are there freshmen in sports that come in and just, like mm-hmm. you had mentioned, wow, everybody, and they're in the starting lineup every game or every tournament? Yeah, yeah that happens. Sure. But I think when people get recruited by schools, again, it goes back to, do you want to be a small fish in a big pond or – Um, You just kind of have to keep that in mind, that it's Mm -hmm. not all about just coming in and being the best. You're going to sit the bench. Um, I learned that the hard way, but (laughs) it's going to happen, and you're going to get your chances, and so when you get your opportunities, like in softball or baseball, your opportunity is being a pinch hitter or you're just playing because the person in front of you isn't playing well. you got to take your opportunity, which is why you don't need to get down on yourself if you're not playing, and you know that, and you give your Mm -hmm. recruits that whole spiel, and they recognize that when they get to college. you had a very successful career at College of Charleston. You guys were uh, two years in a row,
0: conference championship. Mm-hmm.
1: What was that like? That is so exciting.
0: Yeah, I, I look back on those years, and um, Coach Futrell did an amazing job of training up our leaders on the team, like our senior leaders, to like pass that on to the next group. So I think about when I first got there, um, you know, there was a group ahead of us that really like showed the way for us and said, um, you know, this is where we expect to be, and your work ethic better be there. Your, your your outcome, like your results, might not quite be there, but if you can do the process with full effort, you know, down the road it's going to happen. Right. And so, um, you know, though that was my fourth and fifth year, or like the last two years that I was there, were when we won, and I think um, so much of that was young talent coming in. Like I think we had two freshmen in our lineup that that. Um, 2014 season um, and so like they came in and really pushed those older older players on our team like you got to fight for your spot and right. so there was a lot of this sort of like inner team competition and I think what sometimes happens with teams is you can like take that as a negative thing like oh my gosh I'm going to lose my spot but we really all looked at it as like no we're going to play for something like if I get kicked out of the lineup, like good for my teammate like yeah. that means that they're playing really well. And so not having this sort of um, negative animosity towards a teammate that might beat me out. Like, that 2014 season, I got beat out a lot. And while that was a bummer for me, and I think back on it, I'm like, I wish I would have played in the lineup. But that fueled me to where that next season I was in the lineup. Like, I was, I was not going to get kicked out. Right. And so it was one of those things where we encouraged each other, pushed each other. And, it, like, when that comes from within the team, it really creates – Um, like just a strong team dynamic like yes you all want to play at the same time you can only play five so um, like it's not like basketball where you can sub in and sub out in a game like that five is set for the tournament Mm -hmm. and so making sure your teammate knows they have your support like if they do beat you out don't be like oh I can't believe someone did that like that that kind of creates that division within the team but saying hey I support you like you beat me out
1: I'm not gonna let it happen
0: again but go out and Kick butt, <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> go out and do what, like do your best, so that the team performs well. Yeah. So I, I, I think that that was something important. Like we just we pushed each other, we challenged each other, um, and by those last two years that I was there, we we just had that sort of healthy competition within the team where we knew, um, in order for our team to be the best, we all had to have a good attitude about whether we get in the lineup or not because we had I think like nine or ten players that year both of those years which is a big team so you know half the team was staying at home and it could have been super easy for us to be like oh this stinks I'm not traveling and kind of create that divide but we really were like no like when we're here let's get better so that when they come back we have that chance to get back in. After that you got into coaching how did that start? I always knew that I was going to be in athletics I mean my mom was a professional athlete my dad's in professional athletics so there really was never a time in my life that i felt like athletics wasn't going to be a part of my career Um, initially after school i thought maybe i'll play and maybe this will be a path for me to go and be a professional athlete i quickly realized that that sort of environment on my own wasn't as like accomplishing for me as the environment where I was around my team, like professional you, golfers, is a lonely life. You qualified for something in 2014. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, the USGA is sort of like is called the United States Golf Association. So they run some of the best professional and amateur competitions in the country. And every summer there's the US Women's Amateur, which is essentially the most competitive level of amateur golf at the time it was. It was like the best tournament to play, and if you were a college golfer or a junior golfer. And it had been, I think, like, 10 years since we had had a College of Charleston player uh, qualify. Wow. And I remember telling my coach, probably, like, in the middle of my college career, like, my goal is to uh, qualify for this tournament. Like, I I want that for myself so that when I do come into the team environment in the year, like, I have that belief that I can be the best player on the team and the best player that I can be. Um, And so um, it took a couple tries. I mean, I, I tried to qualify every year um and didn't do so but um before my senior year then I did and it was actually crazy like two weeks later my teammate did so we went 10 years with nobody and then a teammate of mine Mary Chandler Bryan um also qualified so it was cool to go like experience that with her and like we I think took that experience as teammates competing there like let's go back and like kind of instill this in our team back Mm -hmm. home that like we can do this every year like we can have players this good um so how did i get into coaching um once the playing career i mean it it was so fun and i loved golf but it just wasn't the right environment for me to thrive to be like on my own and traveling i I just quickly realized this was not going to be a fulfilling life for me Mm -hmm. um having grown up around team sports like i was talking about like volleyball and basketball i believe that that's really why i thrived like my development grew so quickly in college was because I had teammates in that environment. Like, we're not running plays, we're not doing everything together because it is an individual sport. But having my teammate next to me that I could be like, hey, let's go do a chipping competition. Or, you know, I want to drive, or like, let's see who can hit the most fairways right now. Like, those sort of things where I was challenging my teammate and around people that were challenging me helped me have that development in such a short amount of time. And so when I was thinking about, okay, what do I do now? I really was passionate that. This team environment of golf is where I thrive because I grew up being coached by such great coaches in environments other than golf, but learning those principles of, um, like when to push a team and when to kind of like let them push themselves, yeah. or when to maybe intervene and get on a player, and when to pull them aside and say like, it's just like you had a bad day, right. and Like don't dwell on it. Like you know, there's a time when you can go like, hey, your attitude is wrong. And that's why you play bad. And then there's a time where you're just like, the, the, the game wasn't there today. Like, short-term memory, let's move on. Mm-hmm. And so I learned a lot through when my coaches would get on our team and get on me growing up um, that I was like, okay, I think this is an environment that would be really meaningful for me. And so, yeah, quickly um, had an opportunity to open up at Campbell University to be the assistant there and got to work with both the men's and women's team there, which was um, interesting coaching <laughs> men versus women. Yeah. Like, they're... Creativity, I'll say is um, on another level than women. Like they want to be the superhero every time. Like if they've got a gap this big in the trees, they're like, coach, I can hit it. And I'm like, let's think, I was like, can you hit this 80% of the time? And then they'd be like, probably not. I was like, Let's hit the 80-20 rule. Like if you can pull this off 80% of the time, go for it. Mm-hmm. If it's less than 80, we're playing it safe. Um, but also just, I think, learned a lot about um, like talking to different personality types. Like, so I've learned, um, you know, at those moments when to push a player, when to kind of be a little softer. And I think coaching guys as well as the women's team there really helped kind of guide those principles and and sharpen those skills. Um, But I love being here at ECU. um,
1: Yeah, how'd you get here, speaking of ECU? uh,
0: Yeah, I mean, I think both ECU and Campbell have local in-state players like both teams are predominantly international but still keep that core of kids from around the state and so when we would be out recruiting events coach Williams and I would often be watching the same group like we're, we're looking at the same kids in state the best ones that that we have the potential to um, you know bring onto our roster and so um, I think knowing that we went through like recruiting the same kind of people um, and kids that ended up coming here to ECU, some that ended up going to Campbell. You know, I think that was a part of like maybe what ECU learned about like other teams that are comp- like that were in com- competition with ECU. Like let's look at um, teams that we're playing against. Let's look at coaches that are in the area. And I think that was probably just what opened the door. Um, but a-, a big reason of why I took this job at 26 was. Um, like the leadership of John Gilbert like I remember sitting down with him being like I'm not ready to be a head coach Like I've only been (laughs) in this for two years why do you want me to come here and hearing him say things like you know you might have only been coaching for two years but you've been a competitive athlete your whole life and he's like I've talked with your college coach I've talked with other coaches who have been around you and all of them say the same things that like you're a leader and he's like that's what the coaches that we want here And so, um, you know, hearing his confidence in me, I was like, "Wow, okay, this is the most important person in our athletic, or in the athletic department of ECU, saying he believes in me. Why would I not believe in myself?" And so that was a bit like his leadership, but also um, the competitiveness of ECU's women's golf team. I mean, they've had a history of being. you know in the NCAA tournament like we're in March Madness now like they were always sort of one of those at-large teams that would get in on the number and so I knew it had a successful golf tradition and that was something that I was excited to be a part of.
1: Is there anything else you want to say about coaching or ECU?
0: Um, gosh uh, I'm just so like appreciative of being here at ECU like I think